Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of Grecian's Gossip. Now it's been a few weeks since we had a, a full house, but we've got everyone here, so I'm joined by uh, Jamie Hawkins, oh. David Byron, Hello. and Dan Clark. Hello. And obviously a big game to preview this uh, this weekend, League 2 playoff final, Exeter City against Blackpool, um, so plenty to discuss. Now um, David, I'll, I'll start with you, you've watched plenty of City this season, what kind of game are you expecting this weekend? I think um, common sense would say it's going to be a tight game, nervy game being at Wembley and stuff like that and it could be a 1-0 win to someone or something like that but I think it's going to be an open game, you know 22 goals across the two, across the two semi-finals the Jets both sides are just going to go hammer and tong and, and attack and uh, I think it's just going to be open end to end, not going to be able to catch your breath, I think it's going to be, going to be quite quite like the semi-final in a way and I think I'm not sure if many people's hearts will be able to take it by the end. Mm-hmm. So you very much, I mean, you caught up with Danny Higginbottom earlier this week, didn't you? And he was saying something very similar. Wasn't he? Plenty of goals. Who's expecting? Yeah, yeah. Well, Danny Higginbottom was uh, was a Sky Co commentator for, for both uh, for both games and both the city city's games, and he was surprised by how how open it was. But as he said, when when he sort of look at the goals that have, uh, that have been scored in both games, I don't think either side will want to rely too much on their defence because. I mean, City's defence over the season probably has been quite good, but you know you, you don't want to be relying too much on your defence and, and grinding out a one 0 win in a final. Really, do you? Mm. you want to get a bit of breathing space, keep going forward, and that's exactly what Portisdale did in the semi-finals. That perhaps didn't work as well as you wanted to with being pegged back twice, but you could see the game plan was there. And maybe against Blackpool, who might approach a game a little differently to Carlisle, they might be able to get a bit of breathing space this time. Mm. Dan, so playing devil's advocate, I mean, could you? Could you see it being a cagey sort of either one nil affair or some nil nil extra time penalties that sort of thing? You'd it's very hard to remember the last time of any kind of playoff final really in which you had the sort of kind of ridiculous goal filled thrillers that we saw for the the semi finals. I mean, sort of even I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, and I can't sort of doesn't seem to be many goals in it. I mean, last week's the League One playoff final was one nil with a late goal in that one. I mean, last times extra have been there. There's only been well, it was a one nil, a two one in the in the conference playoff semi-finals. After again, goal-filled semi-finals, it became a lot tighter at Wembley. I mean, Wembley, it's a bigger pitch at Wembley, and the weather looks as if it's going to be quite a hot day as well. So that's going to going to play on 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 the minds of the players. Fatigue could be an issue, and that it's, you know you're not going to be able to to sprint and charge around for ninety minutes, knowing there's possible extra time. On a bigger pitch, in a bigger condi- in the, the hotter conditions, and that perhaps makes you want to just play a little bit more cautiously, a little bit more carefully. Don't want to. Yes, but what you don't want to do is overcommit. You know, go for it from the start and be two 0 down after fifteen minutes, and then that's a it's a very long way to come back. If you know, it's a one-off game and as well, and you there's really isn't a lot of room for error. I mean, extra come back so many times this season from behind they've got a lot of late goals but you don't really want to have to be in a situation to chase the game too much at Wembley because it doesn't often end well to side so you want to, you'd want to be the team just to keep it tight and get that first goal and be able to, to control the game and both sides may be a little bit more defensive even if it's just for the first 20 minutes, half an hour just to make sure you know, get a foothold in the game, I mean a lot of these players won't have played at Wembley before as well and that's Something else that could play on, play on the nerves because, you know, what you've seen players can be brilliant all season, but in a big stadium with a big atmosphere, all of a sudden it gets to them, and one mistake could be costly. Mm. 
Jamie, what kind of approach would you like to see Paul Tisdale? With, um, go for the jugular or sort of play it out? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously went to both playoff finals before. You know, I think it's important to know that this is Tisdale's third playoff final at Wembley, so you'd think he would know uh, the stadium quite well, albeit it's been nine years since we were last there. Um, but I remember, you know, the last time uh, when we got promoted, we got it was a fairly early goal and then pretty much sat back. So I think the, an early goal would be, you know, vital. I think if either side gets that, then that gives you so much breathing space, I think, because it's, you know, such a big game. Um, you know, you know, I think if we go 1-0 up, you wouldn't really want to be committing too many men forward, no matter what time the goal scored, I think. You've got to be very careful, especially against a team like Blackpool, you know, how many goals they they score at the moment. Um, will it be as open as the semi-finals? I don't know. I think on paper it will be, but it's a whole completely different game, the playoff final at Wembley, with so much at stake. Um, so I wouldn't expect, you know, a completely open start to the game, maybe a cagey first half, maybe one goal, if that. Um it's all about settling the nerves, I think. I think once one team, um, you know, starts playing the way they want to play in the first half, then they settle down. Um, but yeah, I, would, I wouldn't expect too much of a goal fest. I think. Mm. Would you? We've seen City come back plenty of times from from trailing in games. So would you be overly concerned if City did concede say, in the first twenty minutes? Um, it's difficult because. You know, we've seen it in the semi-finals. A team can go two goals in front, and that counts for nothing. You know, Carlisle did it against us, scored two goals in quick succession. Um, you've got to think that there's still plenty of time in the game. Um, it depends how defensively minded Blackpool are. Um, but you know, it's a player final. It's such a, a lottery. It's so hard to call and predict. Um, you know, I think the 2007 final, I know going on about you know, completely different games, but we won their work for, for a while and then Morecambe came back from behind and, and won after, you know, missing a penalty as well. So I wouldn't be too concerned if, say, at half-time we're 1-0 we're down here. Mm, okay. um, Dave, you caught up with Paul Tisdale, was it today, I believe? So, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday So um, what kind of news have you got, sort of team-wise, selection-wise, fitness-wise, that sort of thing? Uh, good news, actually. Everyone's fit, pretty much, um, apart from Robbie Simpson, obviously. Uh, even Tom McCready's been in training the last <laughs> couple of weeks, haven't missed the whole season. But, um, yeah, I, I noticed that Craig Woodman was sort of hobbling around on, on Thursday after the equalising goal. I think he took a knock when trying to trying to win the aerial battle but uh, Paul Tisdale said there was nothing to worry about there it's just the case that he'd uh, you know he played two games in quick succession after not playing since breaking his arm so more fatigue than anything and the, the 10 days sort of between games should help him with that and he's not too concerned over anyone's fitness Can you see him spring any surprises selection wise? Uh, I think that there might be one or two but the, the, obviously the nature of surprises is you can't really predict it can you? So uh, I, I, I can't I, don't know who he, who he might play or, or what he might do, but I can think there there'll probably be a couple of talking points in there when the when the, the teams come in at two pm on Sunday. Mm. Dan, what kind of team would you like to see Paul Tisdale selecting? I mean, if you go back to the side that played against Carlisle, it's very hard to sort of pick a name who you you feel doesn't deserve to 
to start in that one, really. I mean, Jordan Tilson was sort of brought in as a bit of a surprise into that game, but he had a had a really good game sitting in front of the back the back four and perhaps on on the bigger pitch of Wembley as well. You might want that just a little bit extra one extra player's so security at the back, allowing for the attacking players to go forward a little bit more. But so you kind of think he might he might start as well again in that in the side there. I mean. So Ruben Reed didn't feature at all in the second leg against Carlisle, and maybe you might want his experience in the side. But it's a, you know, it seems to be that he likes him as a super sub. He's these days bringing him on off maybe after about an hour, with half an hour to go to run at a tiring defence. I mean, possibly Joel Grant comes in for Lee Holmes on on the left hand side. Joel Grant, who had you know a great game up at Carlisle, was made an impact off the bench in the second leg as well you might want his sort of just fresh legs or to, to run at a team to start with but then Lee Holmes offers you a little bit more defensive solidarity out there it's hard to really see who he might drop I mean it'd be tough to drop Jack Stacey having got the goal that got him then bringing Pierce Sweeney back in at right back it's an option possibly but if you're looking at that side there's probably sort of between about 14-15 players who've probably all deserved to or to be in the reckoning at the very least and I mean, we often say this with uh, Paul Tisdale sides that you know, can't see too many changes and then out of nowhere he pulls three, sub, you know, three changes to a side that no one saw coming and actually turns out to win you the game but it's, you know, I, I'd hesitate to say I would expect to see an unchanged side because I can't see that actually being the case but it's, I wouldn't be quite sure who I'd be leaving out Mm, true. I mean, going back to David's chat with Danny Higginbottom, he singled out Jordan Tilson for particular praise, didn't he? And said, you know, talked about a good game he had. Yeah, he was talking about Jordan Tilson in relation to uh, Jamie Proctor, the sort of big, burly uh, Carlisle striker. And he said that what Tilson did well was he just took on Proctor himself, which allowed the, the two central defenders to mop up any second balls and that sort of thing. And almost where like the, a sweeper, I suppose. Yeah, yeah almost like a it. sweeper, sort of that holding mm. midfield just in front of the back four. And uh, I mean, whether whether Blackpool have got anyone who, who might do that, sort of have have a similar impact to Proctor, I don't know. But you know, you've got someone like Nathan Delfonso on the side for Blackpool, who sort of can play in between the, the midfield and the striker in that attacking midfield role. And you think, oh, maybe if Tilson just give him the job to, to just follow Delfonso around the pitch, you could mark him out of the game with the way you know. I mean, whilst his part, whilst Tilson's passing isn't brilliant by any stretch, I mean, he's you know he's probably one of the best tacklers in City's team. You know. You'd always back him to win a 50-50, so maybe you put him in there, try and mark the Alfonso out of the game, and then you know you can focus on your own attack, really, can't you? Mm. Jamie, anyone you feel sort of has to start on, on Saturday? Um, yeah, I wouldn't like to see too many changes. Um, you know, David's saying a fully fit squad, pretty much, so you know, there's no concerns there. I think the big talking point, I guess, is the goalkeeper, obviously. Bobby Leshnick coming in for the, the semi-finals. Um, I thought he was more than capable. I thought he played very well. Um, does remind me a few years ago when Martin Royce was playing in goal most of the season and he played Paul Jones in the final um, instead. And that kicked off massively. Um, so, yeah, I would like to see Bobby Leshnick start. Whether he will, <laughs> who knows? It's... You know what Tisdale's like, but um, also, you know, also he has more experience. You know, he's been promoted before. Pim's still fairly young, um, never played in 
at Wembley. Um, you know, other than that, um, obviously, you look at Ollie Watkins, David Wheeler, if they don't start, then, you know, you'd be very surprised there. Um, I would like to see Ruben Reed start on the bench. I think he's actually, in the last few weeks, he's, um, you know, done very well coming off the bench. He's made quite an impact. I think when he starts, he does, if things aren't going his way, he gets frustrated and, and tired. Um, so, you know, I, I would expect, you know, Watkins, Wheeler to start up front. Joel Grant also played very well when both legs are semi-final. He's, you know, he's been quite in and out of the team since he's been at the club, but I think when he's come in, he's done, he's done very well. Um, and Jack Stacey, you know, obviously he came back in the second leg and, you know, some say he's a hero, they've got t-shirts <laughs> with him now, you know, so, yeah. So as I was born on this, we're not really sure what team to no. say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, um, well Dave, you caught up with Paul Tisdale, didn't you, so if we have a listen to um, what he had to say about the game. You sort of talking after the uh, after the Doncaster game when when he qualified for the playoffs, uh, talking about how you sort of wanted to keep uh, normality in training. I mean, how, how do you approach this weekend? Do, do you still try and get that normality, or, or do you sort of say? Yeah. Obviously, you've been there a couple of times, and, and, and quite a few of the players have been there. Will you sort of be be telling the players who who haven't been there, you know, like like the younger players, uh, what what to expect when when they get to Wembley?
really to concentrate on and, and being prepared for a different environment is one of them, but it's not it's not a major, major part of the week. Um, you know, I think the, the most important are the details regarding how we play and who does what and what's expected of the players throughout the course of the game. So, you know, I think there are, there are, there are many ways to, 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 to look at this, but Ultimately, really, the players play the best ability. Right, there we go. So we've heard um, Paul Tisdale's thoughts and things. Now, a slightly odd one to build up this game, because by the sounds of it, a lot of Blackpool fans will be boycotting the game, as they have done a lot of their games this season. Dave, do you want to just give us a brief bit of background as to, to why that's happened quickly? Well, um, I don't want to say too much, because uh, Owen Oyston, the Blackpool chairman or owner, is very litigious. So uh, anything we could say here could get us into trouble. But um, yeah, they've been boycotting all season against his ownership because he has, you know, he sued fans over what they've written on message boards. They, apparently, he's not invested properly in the team when he said he would. That sort of thing. I mean, going for a stadium in August earlier in the season, it was it was quite run down for a, for a stadium that what a few years ago was a Premier League stadium. So it's, it seems like he's not invested enough in the team, which is why they find themselves in League Two. Having just been in the Premier League quite recently, and uh, a lot of fans have basically said, uh, "Have said no, we're not, we're not giving any any money, anything like that." And to to the point now that they're boycotting Wembley, which I think is a a very principled t- stance to take. In it, I mean, I can't imagine not going to going to support my team at Wembley, no matter what I feel about the owner. Mm. So to to be able to do that, I, I'm quite full of admiration for them. I think. Jamie is a keen City fan. Could you ever see yourself putting yourself in that situation with Exeter City? I mean, it's uh, to not go and support your team at Wembley is quite a uh, yeah. I mean, obviously it? there was you know you could say a protest uh, you know against manager Tisdale. So people were talking about boycotting, but it, it never works for me. It's you know you you support your club no matter what really. Um, so yeah it's one thing to boycott a game I guess but to do it at Wembley that's quite something in a, in a playoff final with promotion on the line um, so you know I think Blackpool I don't know if it will affect the team because they've been used to it this season um, I don't know how many were the league game with Exeter City in the first game of the season not a lot um, I know there were 500 City fans I can't remember the exact attendance but uh, the stand, the press box in was completely empty, apart mm-hmm. from the press. Yeah, sort of sums it up. I think. Yeah, you've heard like most home games at Blackpool, the away fans outnumber the home ones. So, yeah, it's very strange how low a crowd it, it could be actually. Dan, can you see that actually affecting the game or the outcome? It, it's going to be a little bit weird at Wembley because normally, you know, you've got fifty-fifty splits almost between fans, and yet. What it looks like it's going to be is you're going to have one end of the, the pitch with 20,000 roughly Exeter City fans and looking out into where there should be 20,000 Blackpool fans for there to be about 4,000 Blackpool fans and it's going to be a vast you know, sort of gap between the you know, masses of empty seats at Wembley which is it's a little bit of a shame I guess for, for, some of the, for the atmosphere and some of the players but you can fully understand why the Blackpool fans have chosen to boy to, to boycott, but it's gonna it's almost gonna feel very, very much like a, a home game almost for Exeter City given 
sort of outnumbering the opposition fans, sort of five. Is that good? Five to one, six to <laughs> one, which is, I suppose, roughly the ratio we've seen most of the games at the park this season. As for whether that's a good thing, it's hard to say. I mean, a lot of the home form this season hasn't been great, but what is that? That's probably not just down to the crowd. That's down to a, a whole raft of factors. What it will mean is that just like the last few minutes or the, against the Carlisle game, was you, know, you had that home fans, you had the fans sucking the ball into the back of the net. If you've got twenty thousand fans screaming and getting behind the team and making an awful lot of noise, they're going to outsing the Blackpool fans. And you'd, you'd hope, no matter what, they're going to be louder. They're going to be more vociferous than them, and that extra sort of little atmosphere boost, that little extra one or two percent, it gives the players might just be that extra little bit that gets you over the line between two fairly evenly matched sides I suppose I mean by no means having you know, criticising the Blackpool fans here but it, it is a bit of a shame isn't it I suppose that a League 2 playoff final which should be a you know, massive occasion for both clubs is sort of um, has you know, the gloss taken off it ever so slightly by that yeah it, it's a shame and it's I don't think it'll dampen City's memories if they win not at all I mean as Dan said it's going to be a, a strange atmosphere but it's interesting, actually. Almost a similar situation happened in the the National League final this year, with uh, Tranmere taking about twenty thousand and Forest Green taking about three thousand. Which, uh, to be fair to Forest Green, is probably about the population of Nailsworth, which is where they're based. <laughs> um, so, you know, population percentage-wise, they're probably taking the most of, most to Wembley out of any <laughs> any club who's played there. But and they won. Yeah, and Forest Green won. Which, so it's interesting from from that perspective. Um, it will be disappointing, and uh, you know, I've, I've spoken to a few people who said, "Oh, maybe if Luton have won, we get about seventy thousand there," and that would that would be a great day. But it's still a playoff final. It's still Wembley, isn't it? At the end of the day, you can just you can just go out there and beat what's in front of you. You can't really do anything else, can you? Mm. I guess the other thing is City haven't actually beaten Blackpool this season as well. Which um, I mean, is that a cause for concern? Do you think? Difficult, really. First game of the season, it's so long ago. The teams have changed so much since then. City didn't have Ruben Reed, for example. Uh, that you can't really read too much into that. It was a, a two-nil win to Blackpool, and uh, then you know they drew two all back in February. I, I wasn't at that game, but um, you know they came back from two-nil behind. And you think, well, you know they they came they two-nil down and hadn't won, but at the same time they still come back from two-nil down. So they're you know they know how to play against Blackpool. And you know it being at Wembley, I think adds an extra extra element to the game. That I think it's you know any team you are playing, it'd be difficult to read too much into how the how the previous games have gone. Mm. Jamie, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean you know the first game, it's the first game. No, who don't have but who cares? You know nothing <laughs> nothing's decided on the first game. You know um, I was at the home game and um, I can't remember where. Blackpool were on the table, mid-table maybe. I think we were pushing for the playoffs. And, you know, came back from 2-0 down. Uh, Reed scored a last-minute penalty again. And, um, yeah, I remember there's definitely a sense of frustration. Um, I actually spoke to Reed after that game and he said, you know, you've got to be beating teams like Blackpool. And, <laughs> you know, a few weeks on, here we are in the playoff final. So I don't think anyone... Um, I didn't see Blackpool as contenders. I can't remember them really playing that well. Sort of a smash and grab, if you like. Um, but, you know, it's Wembley. It's a completely different game, isn't it? I don't think Tisdale, all the players, should be looking into 
to the results against them. They obviously look at their their tactics, etc. But yeah, I don't think it's something that would be be mentioned in the build up. Mm. Well, I mean, moving on, if, if the game goes to the uh, the dreaded penalty shootout, and it's something we were talking about briefly before. I mean. Question is who takes penalties? I mean, Dan, who could you see sort of stepping up for City? I mean, obviously you've got the first caveat as to you can have your perfect five listed down, but you've got to make sure they're on on the pitch at the end of the game. So, I mean, Ruben Reed's been the penalty taker for most of the season, and you'd assume that if he's on the pitch, he steps up and takes one. Um, Ryan Harley, although missed missed one at Doncaster, hasn't missed many in an Exeter City shirt. He you fancy he you'd want to step up and take one on. You'd imagine Ollie Watkins is going to have the confidence to to step up and want to take a penalty, whether, I don't think, I think when we did this before the, the Carlisle game, I don't think any of us actually had Ollie Watkins down on our, on, on our list of who we'd put down there, but I would expect he'd fancy taking one. Then you've got the likes of, I suppose, Jordan Moore Taylor, Craig Woodman, sort of defenders with a, a powerful shot on them, which of it's, one of those that if it goes in, it's you know, it's, on, it's a goal. If it hits the keeper, well, they probably might go into the back of the net with it. But there's going to be no subtlety with them there. I mean, left-footed as well. That's you know, do you do you alternate the, the foot you're taking it with? Yeah, well, mm. it gives the, the keeper a different look on things as, as well. It's almost a, you've got to almost you can't really be picking players. You know, the team are based around who you might want on the pitch for a penalty shootout really but you'd imagine a lot of the, the names who you would have down Reed, Harley Watkins maybe someone like Jake Taylor um, are likely to be on, on the pitch at the end of the 120 minutes anyway so would be able to step up but next there's been a lot of penalties this season and I think that Ryan Harley's one at Doncaster anyone they've actually missed so far this season so that you feel Aside from Lloyd James, oh, oh, which is still rising, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> aside from, of course, Exeter have had that, that penalty shootout, um, that memorable penalty shootout in the, uh, the Checker Trade Trophy when we were out and Swindon were already through. But <laughs> this is something perhaps you, you know, Tisdale will look back at and learn. I mean, Lloyd James and I think it's Lee Holmes both missed their penalties that day and they were both very poor penalties. So that might be something he's thinking about them not stepping up this time. Mm. Is there a preference in terms of goalkeepers? In terms of which one you'd rather, you know, Alejnik or Pim, in terms of saving penalties? Do you think one of them is stronger than the other? For me, and this is, this is only my opinion, but I think uh, Pim's a better shot stopper. I think you know you want your shot stopper in goal for a penalty shootout. And while Alejnik's probably arguably a little better at commanding his box, and you know a little taller, a little stronger when under pressure, I think you know Pim is just you want someone. To to save the ball in a penalty I don't know I think I, for me I, I'd probably prefer Pim but I mean I can't remember seeing paying much attention to either of them in a penalty situation to, to think I, to fit, I mean Alejnik he's he saved a couple against Lane Orient last season yeah oh, he's some miss, missed both two penalties saved one against Barnet well, that it was one of the worst penalties John Akin days side foot down the middle and yeah. bent down and picked it up I mean <laughs> Always a questionable one, that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you feel Bobby Alejnik is he's probably taller than Christy Pym, and mm. that might be. You know, it's obviously I can't imagine that's going to be a, a primary consideration as to who you put in goal to save penalties. But it, it I suppose it does help. You know, the taller you are, the 
the, the longer reach you're going to have to be able to, to get down to the, the corners, which, you know, you feel a well-struck penalty in the corner. Christy Pym, as good as a goalkeeper he is, probably isn't going to be able to get there, while Bobby Oleshnik might be able to get a hand to it and tip it around the post. <coughs> and that, you know, I would thought it would sway Tisdale's thinking either way, but you know, the fact that Oleshnik is taller means he's got automatically feel a more a better chance of saving any penalty. Mm. I wonder if we can see Tisdale doing a Louis van Gaal, was it, during the World Cup? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 a minute to go. So, well, uh, that, was, that was always a stroke of genius because apparently the guy bought on wasn't that great at taking penalties <laughs> or saving penalties, but the opposition just assumed he was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could have been a master stroke of psychological warfare. Yeah. Yeah, it was I think what could be important, actually, the penalties is what end they're taking at. Mm. If they're taking at the city's end, you know, you've got 20,000 people behind the goal. If you're a Blackpool player, you might be feeling a bit, you know, nervous or tense. You take it at the Blackpool end and there's no one yeah. there. <laughs> it could be a psychological end. Yeah, yeah. that would be interesting. Um, well, David, you, um, amongst other people you caught up with this week, Jeff Stelling as well. Um, I mean, he, he's doing this uh, this walk next week together from Exeter to Newcastle. And um, what did he have to say about the game? Well, yeah, he, um, you know, he, he wished the City well and, and said, you know, he wouldn't begrudge him going up after the season they, they've had. And... Uh, Spoke a little about the walk as well and uh, how he's not actually looking forward to walking that far, but I'm not sure anyone would be. Mm, sure. Okay. And um, just finally, I mean, we've also really touched on predictions quickly, I guess, haven't we? Score predictions. David, I'll put you on the spot first and foremost. <laughs> what are you saying? I'm glad I've gone first yeah. because that way I can just say 2 1 to City. Yeah. Like that. Jamie? <sighs> two very evenly matched teams in terms of goal scored and conceded. Hence why it's going to go all the way to penalties and Exeter City are going to win 6-5 or something. Dan? I'm going to 1-0 City. It's going to be a very much cagier game than perhaps you'd expect with maybe a moment of magic for someone like Ollie Watkins getting the goal and adding another few zeros to his price tag. it <laughs> be nice to see. But, uh... Sure, okay. Well, um, look, you can keep up with the game on the uh, Devon Live uh, blog brought to you via Vospers. And, um, well, we'll be keeping our fingers firmly crossed, I think, for City. And hopefully, um, well, we'll be uh, actually having a Grecian's Gossip edition also from Wembley Way on the Sunday. So, great if you can join us then. And uh, we'll catch you then.